This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Creating companionship and community with others invites a sense of belonging and a genuine feeling of being valued. These are core aspects of social-emotional development that, when cultivated, awaken the blossoming of being and becoming human. With an awareness and understanding for our interdependent human nature, collaborative relationships can be attained without anyone's compromising of values. Gentle teaching is rooted in this understanding that is referred to as a psychology of interdependence. The relationship itself becomes a classroom and the key for developing companionship and a sense of community. Constructed with a framework of gentle teaching, it becomes the vehicle of mobility for exploring and discovering quality of life possibilities. Valeria Tellez interviews Anthony McCravitz, the author of Return to Gentleness, Journeying with Gentle Teaching. Anthony Tony M. McCravitz, Ph.D., is a licensed mental health counselor and psychologist with clinical training and specialization in child development and the integration of approaches that are rooted in a holistic biopsychosocial model. In 1996, he co-founded Globestar, an agency that provides accredited quality of life services and programs for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. He continues to serve as director and is a consultant, mentor, and provider of training in a quality of life model TM of services. He holds a doctorate in I.O. psychology from Walden University, a re-specialization in clinical psychology from Adler University, an MBA from Indiana Wesleyan University, and a master's degree in pastoral counseling from Loyola University of Chicago. Dr. McRobbitz currently serves as president of Indiana Counseling Foundation, IPCF, has served as a past president of Indiana Counseling Association, ICA, and continues actively serving as a board member. Meet Anthony at qualityoflifeinstitute.org. Here is the interview with Anthony McRobbitz. In your own words, who is Anthony McRavitt? <laughs> yeah, so I guess I have learned the most about who I feel I am and have become and continuing to be is from others. I think beginning with my own mom and dad, who has really taught me the golden rule. I feel for myself, I've also learned to love and value the work and life of a man who walked on this earth, rumor has it, about 2,000 years ago. He used his hands, his eyes, his words, his presence to live as an example of love. And this man, as we know, as Jesus, revealed through his work of service 
I think the unbroken relationship what each one has with the spirit, creating this unconditional invitation for others to learn the message of love through companionship and community. And for, for myself, as I discuss in my book, as a framework of general teaching, I find that this keeps me heart-centered for the true path of service as I work with others. And at a very young age, I was moved with a sense of awe about truth and social justice. As a high school seminarian, I really didn't understand about people with disabilities, that people were segregated, people were sent away. But this connection allowed me to have a connection that moved me towards what became my life work and career. But also in this work, I was also involved very early on by I learned about human vulnerability and the struggle for social justice, especially for people who most are most marginalized. You know, as I sought answers and approaches about human services and that expression of the golden rule that my parents taught us, I was really inspired by Dr. King on freedom where he talks about no one is really free until we're all free, right? And so I learned too that questions have a powerful way that we must ask harder questions of ourselves. How can I be more? You know, how can I do more? How can I even love more? So it was really during my high school years of doing service that I was introduced very early on by John McGee and his colleagues who really established this framework general teaching John was not just a mentor, but a friend who later I met in my life and had a privilege of working with him for many years until his passing in 2012. But if we think about this principle of general teaching, it's about interdependency. This teaches that we're all in this together, just like King shared, and how I love how he spoke about this topic. It really boils down to this, that life is interrelated. We're all caught in this inescapable network of mutuality, and it's really tied to a single garment of destiny. And I, I feel through this of who I am, it's about being blessed, being able to connect with people all over the world and having an opportunity um, to really walk with them, whether it's just having a cup of, cup of coffee in the island of Crete or sitting somebody who's in a prison cell for the rest of their life. It's how to start with us, with our own heart, and how we see ourselves in this relationship of humanity, looking at ourself. But that's that whole thing of the return to gentleness as I find out of not just who you are, but who am I in this recentering of one's social emotional process that there's a relationship, this building of this framework that we call general teaching that really opens up to give unconditional love. There's, uh, on your website, you say something that really caught my attention. You say, quality of life begins with feeling safe and loved unconditionally. Mm -hmm. That really touched me in, in so many ways because we want to change the world, don't we? We want to change people around us. And, and sometimes we have great, beautiful intentions with that idea of trying to change others. But then we are ignoring this fundamental truth that we're all connected. And to love, it's really to accept everything as it is, exactly as it is, to truly love 
And I wonder why we tend to forget that, Anthony. I think, you know, and it's not having an answer because everybody, I think, could come from their own perspective. But if we look at this invitation that we are born with, this unconditional environment, quickly we focus on this other lens that focuses on what I call three C's. I want you to comply. And if you're not going to comply, I will correct you. And if I need to correct you again, I'm going to give you that consequence. But if we really look in this moment, you know, as we walk this journey with somebody, I don't think they really care about the compliance of what to wear, or what not to wear, or being corrective because I didn't pick it up this way or that way, or feeling that this consequence that, you know, won't it wasn't the first time and it won't be the last time. But I think if we really involve that question and think about it, I think what really comes to mind is what we take away. And that's that unconditional value of love, of trust. Is there a relationship here? Can I trust you? Is it safe to be with you? You know, it's not about the correction. It's about the trust. And knowing if that trust is there, that I know when I see you, you're not going to just tell me what to do or how to do it. You're going to be with me. So it's doing things with, helping, right? When I walk into my own classroom, are, the students already know who the professor is. Or when I walk into that therapy room, they already know who the therapist is. But do I provide that invitation in this moment, this true moment, that there's trust, that there's a relationship? It's not about making fun of you or devaluing you or having a contingency. It's saying, wait a second, let's have that curiosity, right? That intrinsic curiosity to explore together. So it's about trust. It's knowing that we can explore together by helping. But as we create this invitation, the beautiful thing, and even within my own classroom, these students say, wait a second, I think I can learn from this guy. I think, you know, it's not so much that I have to have the answer, but it's the beautiful thing that we're walking together on this journey to explore with the intrinsic motivation of our relationship. It has been my own experience with um, abuse, childhood abuse, not to trust people around me. So I lost that sense of yes. trusting, right? I've been trying to rebuild that trust with life itself, but I have done it before and ended up in unsafe situations. So I wonder how people like me, which there are so many, unfortunately, that have been abused how do we learn or relearn to trust again? Such an important thing. And so I can only share from my own experience yeah. and my yeah. knowledge. And so we believe, I, I can't take that away, that, that memory. But the beautiful thing of this connection with our eyes, hands, words, presence, those tools in this framework is that I have the privilege enough to be with you to engage in this moment for the time that we have. And it's not about what's right or wrong. It's about the meaning and value that we have in this moment, the meaning for yourself and the value of our relationship, that it would be a moment planting that seed of hope and another seed and another seed and another layer that, yes, we all have these negative experiences in life and maybe some more than others. And yet I think the, the human potential, the planting of a seed, the growth and the awareness of transformation, 
and the power of unconditional love doesn't take it away, but lays many, 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 many new moral memories. For this young lady I worked with, the social worker were very upset that the parents asked me to work with her daughter, who was raped. And they said, well, how could a guy work with your daughter? They're like, well, I like this framework and what it gives and what he talks about. And so in this journey, it wasn't me. It was the relationship that we were forming because as we came together in our moment of time, it wasn't to take anything away. And we could use strategies like EMDR and so many other good tools. And yet, if it doesn't come from this foundation of unconditional love, because it was just to sit by her, it was to touch her hand, it was then finally to give her a hug, but realizing that we have to love again, Right. We have to love again mm. and love hurts, huh, hurts. Yes. and all this trauma. But to know that one is becoming one is n- to write that new narrative script. The trauma was only the chapter, only a chapter, but it wasn't her whole life story. And she's a beautiful young lady, a professor, a mom of four. And so once again, is I didn't do anything except walk with. And allowing to be, uh, you know, the, to have that privilege to walk with and to identify that if we look at change, can we accept the invitation to walk with others, even though our story might be too difficult to hold or to share or to discuss or even bring to a conscious mind? But the privilege that we could walk and to explore, you know, within this framework of teaching people to feel safe and love, to do things with. And so we started making little things. We would make cookies that we didn't have to bake. So it started very simple. But then that whole thing was to really look at, with these activities, how can I bring myself into it? I like oatmeal. But I also asked her, what's your identity? She goes, chocolate chip, rich chocolate chip, double chocolate chip. But that was that whole thing, not just about the ritual, it was about self-worth and then a sense of belongingness and then the feeling safe. Because as we made cookies, our hands touched, the tears flew down her face because of the experience she had with that last touch, that it wasn't good. But realizing that over many, many moments of making cookies, that there is a true love of connection for each one of us. Remember, it goes back to that trust that we're doing things together. And then finally realizing, wait a second, I can learn some things. You can challenge me. But it's, it's not having the answer. It's not having the answer. You know, it's that heart. Where is that heart going? And can we learn to do that with others? Yeah. I love that. I love your wisdom. And thank you for being you, uh, Dr. Tony. The way you describe this process of regaining, rebuilding trust, and it's just so beautiful. Uh, it kind of what comes to me is almost like the art of love again, of loving again. It's almost like an art. And at the same time, a natural, it's a natural process, isn't it? It's uh, mm-hmm. life supporting itself. It's all about flourishing and, ah, and open up, opening the heart to it. Uh, regardless of the past. 
Yeah, but you know, sometimes, you know, with the past, we can't go back. But what we have, whether it's good or bad, we have to understand in this journey of love that there's going to still be some bad, bad moments, you know. And I think sometimes with love, we we feel of all the beautiful things, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and not realizing <laughs> that there's going to be that dissent or that negative reaction in our relationships. It's not going to be perfect. And I think that becomes the beauty that I could still be with you, that even though it's not perfect, even though there is a, a conflict, but it really goes back to that trust. Why? Because we're both committed in the relationship for a better quality of life and to really hold on to each other. The title of your book is Return to Gentleness, a Journeying with Gentle Teaching. It kind of uh, really touched me. There's something about it that's very powerful, maybe because it has to do with that, always returning to love, returning mm -hmm. to gentleness. So let me ask you this one. If life had one purpose, one purpose only, what would that be from your perspective? Love. It, it, you know, and Mother Teresa has done it so well as a beautiful example. Love until it hurts. You know, it's not what you give, but how much love you put into the giving, into the doing. You know, that's the golden rule from my parents. You know, no matter what you do, do with great love. Care. Care for yourself and care for others. Do with others. Be a part. Actually, with that in mind, because we do have a lot of misconceptions and ideas of what it is to be healthy or what is to be mentally healthy. So from your view, Dr. Tony, what is to be mentally healthy? How do you define mental health? You know, I think th that's a very good question that the journey, jury is still out. But working with folks, you know, especially for young kids that are struggling with their own identity, I, I really took a look at this question that you're asking about mental health. And I, I see so many kids that are struggling with their own identity or they come and they like, I have this new identity I'm becoming. But yet when I really look at their mental health, they have an identity But where's the self-esteem, self-confidence, self-worth to build that sense of belongingness? And so I think we're just exploring at the tip of the iceberg that our mental health isn't so much of saying I have the iPhone or the iPad because everything is about me. It's That's the beautiful thing about general teaching. It's about interdependency. It's not just about you or me. It's about we. We got to flip the M upside down to right. make that W, right? right. Because yes. it's, it's we. It's not you or me. It's us. Right. And so that mental health is really coming back to this perspective of this unconditional invitation of loving oneself and being able to love others unconditionally because what we have is that contingency. I will love you if you do this, right? So if you do this, I'll love you. Or after, right? If you do this, I'll, I will give it. So it's always this contingency, whether setting it up or allowing it to happen afterwards, that we are not in this moment. You know, that our mental health 
Our social well-being is being deprived of the acceptance of our own gifts. So we really have to explore, not just saying I have, you know, I'm this or that. That's great. But does it build a connection about your self-worth? Does it build a connection about being confident, not being, you know, that conceited component, but allowing the invitation to be humble enough that we can make mistakes with what we say, how we say it, or not having the answer, right? But also allowing that our sense of self and our well-being of self allows us to connect and do with others. We're not, we're not, you know, the fact that you and I don't live on an island means that we have to interact, right? And I think we're losing sight of that, especially now with, all, I think the technology is great, but that human connection, that human connection of touch, a thousand times we need that connection of touch. Not the Facebook connection, not the uh, TikTok connection or whatever it might be electronically, but the physical moment of touch. I've been many places, many places all over the world. And just to have that moment of touch. In many countries, I don't even know the language. And so I have to use my hands, my eyes, my presence, right? And to me, that gives more of a mental health enrichment, empowerment than any anything else we can do. You know, we could take the pills, we could do, go to therapy, all that stuff. But if we don't use the magic of the unconditional valuing of touch and hugs, mm. we're missing out. I absolutely love the message. It's one that it resonates so deeply with my heart, loving, accepting, unconditionally, just living life, which really sounds like freedom to me, <laughs> Anthony. Like we are free. Yes. <laughs> and everything yes. is free. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't it? Ah. But that, that's the beautiful of taking the risk. The person that takes the risk is free. But the person that doesn't is chained to their own destiny of being a slave because they choose not to be free. I've worked with men who were incarcerated. And once again is I can't we can't change where they're at. Right. I can't just pull them out. But to walk with them and to know that they have that possibility to create no matter where you're at, even Viktor Frankl in the. In, in, in the Jewish camp, he said people made that determination to choose, to choose their destiny, to create meaning even in the last breath. Mm. Why are so many of us don't get to understand this truth or to live it? Do you have some answers for that or some <laughs> ideas? <laughs> um, yeah. Why are they so imprisoned? They imprison themselves. And I wonder, I wonder why. Because they want to be loved by everybody. Right. And that's impossible. The thing and, you know, and the other thing is you become something for somebody else that you're not. And then you spend your whole life becoming that person for the other. Right. And you lose your sense of self. You know, the intent is to do good. Right. Our intent is to love this person and knowing they would love me more if I if I become this, if I do this. And then in the midst, we lose who we are. We need to just say, I would love to be this for you unconditionally. 
I would love to be this for you, all heart and soul. But if I do, I lose who I am. And I think in that exchange, we're afraid. We don't want to walk this journey alone. We all have doubts. We all have doubts. But to take that risk, that's the beautiful thing of love, unconditionally, right? To see people loving each other unconditionally. So that also goes back to the idea of trust. It goes back yeah, to trust, doesn't right? it? Yeah, I love the way you say that. Uh, so in a way, it is the we, but it's it still is to be one, but together, isn't mm-hmm. it, in a way? Yeah. We are still the one, the individual, the separated wholeness, but whole is still part of this network, this amazing system of everyone in everything. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it is the truth. Um, I have to say that. (laughs) I know that we're not supposed to say I know the truth, but (laughs) I have to say that. (laughs) But it's that moral compass, you know, because once again, we want to know, you know, it's not about this is right or wrong or having, but if I got that compass, I know the true north. You know, I don't need the map because the map will change, but it's that internalness that unfolds in all of us, right? And so we're going to chart this course that we've never seen before. And it's scary. It's scary. But I think that's what you said so beautiful about the heart. You know, if we come true to that heart, we know the true north. Yes, yes, a billion times to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And we always do. It's always here. It's interesting, like when we think about finding the truth. Yes. Uh, it's never out there. It's always here. <laughs> uh, it's just uncovering it. <laughs> Seeing yeah. it, it has been always here, actually. It was never hidden in the first place. So you wrote the book, Return to Gentleness, Journeying with Gentle Teaching. Talk to me for a moment. Uh, You probably have said that before, but I would love to hear it again. What was the main inspiration and intention of writing your book, Anthony? So I think we've come a long way as a culture in our awareness and even development of giving support in our communities that benefits people with disabilities or people that are most marginalized. But I feel we have we are miles away in terms of creating the accessibility for one's social, emotional awareness and growth. Uh, a friend of mine has this beautiful model about integration. And there's these six steps, but, you know, it goes from denial to full integration. But the midpoint is what I saw in writing the book was everybody says, oh yeah, I accept this person. I accept this person. And what Bennett talks about in his integration model is acceptance is only halfway. And so I got to be thinking and saying, wait a second, you know, from my, even from my words, I was saying accepting. And I thought, my gosh, I'm not fully integrating this framework. If I truly accept, I have to go beyond accepting. I got to integrate. And we really got to talk about that. And so an important part was understanding how does one develop one's self-concept, self-determination. And it requires us in, in interaction, being human, that touch. But it's mainly companionship and community, a being with, right? And to me, this framework, as it creates dialogue, meaningful dialogue, verbal or nonverbal, 
it creates the social vision for all of us, maybe to have a path and steps for creating a better quality of life for all of us. I mean, maybe I can't take you out of your prison cell, but in the moment that you and I have, I could be with you. I could be with you. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing or saying or teaching someone to be shameful or understanding the consequence, but to validate that you exist. I am because you exist, right? There's a beautiful exchange in South Africa, and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, Yuntabunta. And the exchange says, did you sleep well? And I'll say, yes, I slept well if you slept well. And it's that exchange that we're connected that we're connected. It's nothing magical, but in this moment to validate that I heard you, that I hear what you're saying without judging you, but to knowing that through the hearing and validating your own story, that we become real, we become connected, and it can allow the door to open to share another story and to grow and to realizing that's okay. Ah, yes. You know what came to mind while listening to you? I love your wisdom coming from uh, different departments or um, uh, areas of life. I mean, it's so beautiful. That Have you thought about becoming a public, let's say, representative? <laughs> ah, yeah, because we need that. <laughs> we need that. <laughs> ah, we need somebody like you. <laughs> Have you thought about that, Anthony? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> uh, that would help. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I have been very blessed. I, I, uh, my friend said, well, remember, I've been in 50 countries. You've only been in 45. And I'm like, you know what, Rich, you're right. I've only been in 45. But I get this invitation. And some people don't like to hear the words I have to share or holding us all accountable because I'm still on the journey. I'm still on the journey. So I see that invitation that you're giving me. I'm surely not going to be a politician, even though I love the work of John F. Kennedy, but most important, I love the work of his brother, Robert, who really talked about creating a sense of community. He talked about it all heart and mind, that giving people a sense is just giving someone a paycheck. It's allowing them to taste, to touch, to feel. And that's so critical. You know, that's the whole part of the reason for the book. Why? Because we got to create a better model. We got to show that we're all capable of becoming within this culture of gentleness. And, you know, and that's the whole thing. When people disagree, oh, we can't have them because they're disagreeing. No, that's the beautiful thing. It's not so much we're disagreeing. That's a part to have these negative reactions. You know, how, how do you like your pasta? You know, I like it with red sauce. I like it with white sauce. I like it with meat. I like it with tuna. I like it with sardine. I even like it with red wine. But that's that whole thing when we disagree with the other. It's like, oh, we can't, we can't be a part of this community anymore. But that's the beauty. But, yeah, what a beautiful invitation to get into politics. Uh, not so much politics, but that's another reason of writing the book, to have it making sure that people could see that, you know what, we could all be a part of this journey. Not so much within the book, but within our own culture, right? I, I said that because we did, you inspired me to say that, because it really, it is a need. We see that, I, 
Well, I don't watch TV, like um, uh, mainstream TV in yeah. there, or read newspapers or anything. But I, of course, my husband talks to me about what's happening. It seems like it's still going in, not in a healthy direction, per se. Correct. Right? Yes, I would agree. I would so agree. we need to change directions. And what you offer, it really gives us that light for the direction that we need to go. So mm-hmm. thank you again, Anthony, for being You're here. Welcome. Talk to me for a moment about the Quality of Life Institute and what services you offer there, classes. Yeah, talk to me for a moment about that. Yeah. So the Institute, which is a nonprofit, it's focused on improving the quality of life for caregivers within the framework of general teaching. And whether that caregiver is just caring for one's mother, one's child, or an individual that lives down the street. It is really looking at this framework of general teaching and how can we bring more into this moment to make it meaningful. The caregiver that provides not just care, but these meaningful moments to let that other person know that they exist has to be of meaning and value. It's not about this right or wrong. I think we all know that, what's right, what's wrong. But how can this caregiver hold on to the torch in these interactions with somebody and find value? And so we're trying to create more awareness for our community that within this framework of gentle teaching, how they could utilize it in their own story to make it more meaningful and to bring value into these moments. And so whether it is just helping them to learn the basic of gentle teaching, to collecting research of many stories to validate this framework or creating material that people might need uh, a big project that we're doing right now is our proposal to go back to Saudi Arabia and talk about quality of life. They have a vision of 2030. And once again, it's taking a look at understanding how do we, how do we could provide this framework of culture of gentleness where we think it's not even possible or in the prison system where people feel that there is nothing left because everything is gone. But realizing even in these moments, it's looking at the opportunity of who you are and putting meaning and value to that. So that's a little bit about the work that we're doing. We we ask people that, you know, especially if people want to give, don't give to the Institute. Let us help you to connect with a caregiver who is really struggling. So some people have these timeshares and what they do is they don't give it to the Institute. I said, don't give it to the Institute. We have caregivers that can't afford a vacation with their own child. Give them that week and we'll make sure we could find them the transportation to get to that place. Or you know what? Maybe you have, here's a a caregiver whose child is going to turn 12 and she would like to give this. You know, it's it's not buying a trip to Florida or anything. Maybe it's a 20-hour game. And so don't give the money to the Institute. Here, here's the game. You could buy it on Amazon. Here's the name of the caregiver and her child. Send it. So you make that connection. So it's small little things like that, that you know what, as a whole, let's connect. Let's create meaning and value to these caregivers that do so much that, you know, their story is not going to be on the news. It's not, they're not going to write a book about them. 
but we need to make it more meaningful in this journey that what they're what they're doing like mother teresa said they put so much love in the doing and the caring that it should be today's story yeah and that's another topic altogether the media right like right. why don't we have like a space for these people to be heard to be seen yeah there's so much beauty and positivity and love there I mean, out there, but it's not yes. really yeah, broadcasted. Yeah. And uh, that's another, uh, yeah, it's a totally different topic now. Why? Yeah, that that has to do with uh, the direction that we I was talking before about politicians, uh, the public representatives, that they are just still playing the game of fear, isn't mm-hmm. it? We see so much negativity on TV. That's why I don't watch TV. Yeah, and that's to keep us afraid. It seems to me is that does it resonate with you too, Anthony? That idea. Oh yes. Ah. And that's that whole thing. I mean, because we disagree, they're like, oh, we can't be a part of that. And like, there's so many models out there that talk about a journey of community from Peter Block, Phyllis Booth, many others in the journey of relationship, whether that's a community or a family or a couple. We are going to have conflicts. But in the conflict, we have to look beyond that and realizing the place where we started was unconditional love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, freedom. <laughs> the freedom, yes. right? Yeah, because if everything is free, the energies of life itself, then it can be anything, good or bad. Yes. What an interesting dance. <laughs> Let me put yes. it that way. So I would like to um, mention some of the passages in your book that caught my attention. I mean, there are so many, but you say gentle teaching is based on mutual respect, unconditional acceptance, and the principles of interdependence that demonstrate the universal inherent unit of our humanity. I mean, I just love your wisdom and the way you express that wisdom. And you also say a simple law of physics We do not need to remove the darkness from a room before it can be filled with life. So it's not really removing the dark, but bringing light Mm -hmm. to darkness. There's so much wisdom. (laughs) Thank you so much again, Anthony, Dr. Tony. And I love the way you said off record too about teaching children how to pronounce your name. And the toe and a knee. (laughs) Now I'm going to be probably like giggling uh, around that for the next week or two. (laughs) So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? Oh, gosh. Like you said, there's so many. There's so many. I I think, um, wow. I mean, I don't even know where, you know, (laughs) I think from the beginning to the end. And it's. You know, it starts even with the first president of the Czech Republic. The salvation of the human world lies nowhere else than in the human heart, right? And so that human heart that you have spent your own personal journey on, having us come back to that, right? Yeah, I I mean, there's... (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, There's so much to say, but how about... Okay, so here's one. The framework of general teaching is a framework for social justice as we regard our own place in the formation of community and begin to experience the privilege of engaging with others in moments and the processes of social change. 
Understanding that each person's sense of existence, the gift of being and becoming, becoming human, begins with feeling safe and love. Our gift is very much like each individual's present, mirroring unconditional love. And each individual's willingness to accept the invitation. Yeah, what a wonderful reminder. In a way, it is a practice for life, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It's it's not something that we learn and then that's it, done. It's a practice, a beautiful practice. But it's the promise. It's the promise. So it's not just the practice, because as we fall, we hold on to that promise. Yeah. We hold on to the promise. Mm, Which is connected again to trust, Mm. right? Which is the basic principle, right? We call that the three P, the three P's, the the principles, the practice, and the promise. Yes, a billion times to that promise of freedom. That's my yep. translation to that. So my ending question is: How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? <laughs> <sighs> you know, that's a beautiful question uh, about. You know, because surely it's not going to be on the deathbed that, okay, I wrote this book or I traveled to this country. But did I become the gift that God gave me, that free gift that he gave me? And did I share it with others? Did I share it with my mom, my dad? Uh, Did I share it with my family? Did I share it with my friends? Was I able to share a little bit with you in this time that we have? To me, that that that's the beautiful thing. You know, it's it's not about the bank. How much money we got in the bank as people talk about their story. But knowing that the gratitude, the accomplishment that when I wake up, the first thing is giving grace and blessing to God for the gratitude that the gift that he has given me. And I'm going to do my darndest every single day to live that out. It might not always be the best, mm-hmm. but... I'm going to come back tomorrow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm coming uh, back tomorrow. I love that. And I'm going to come back tomorrow. Whether here or there, I'm coming back tomorrow. I love that. The gratitude, the peace, it's just, um, yeah, it's fundamental too. And I wonder if you have a sense of obligation to be love, to show love, because that would contradict freedom, right, Anthony? Mm-hmm. I wonder how we dance that dance of freedom. <laughs> and, and at the same time, you know, uh, freedom is not free and then we need to work on it. Yeah. How do you see that? Well, that, that then again, you know, to love and to be loved, which is part of this framework of gentle teaching. It's difficult, right? I, I see so many people, whether in my own private practice, in my journey or people all over the world, they just want to be loved. And we do so much and we're realizing if we could only be ourselves, and we fall trap, right? We want to do this. We want to do that. So it becomes a contingency or a control. I wish I had the answer. You know, I barely have the answer for me The knowing that I want to be loved. I want to be loved. I honestly want to be loved. There's no wrong in saying that, right? Yeah. And I know love hurts. And with that, my... Final question is, if there is one way for someone to show love to you, what would that be? How to describe <laughs> that? <laughs> we all receive love differently, it seems oh, to me. You know, I, I feel that I've been very blessed in my journey. So let me share with you. There's a young man that I met in my work, in my traveling. 
Uh, he doesn't know the English language. I don't know so much know the Greek language, but we know we both love coffee. But he knows when I'm coming, um, he already has my cup for me. No one else could drink it except for me. They show him a picture of me. I like to say he smiles, but they said he runs, grabs my cup, make sure it's filled first, and he fills mine first, and then he fills his, and then he comes outside to greet me. What a beautiful thing, you know, or knowing that our work is um, meaningful. So if I could share one more story, my kids, I have four of them, and they were all downstairs in the basement and I was getting ready to go to work. At that time, we only had three. Uh, we were working on our fourth. Uh, but uh, there was three. And um, I was just telling the kids goodbye. I'll see you later. And some of the kids that were sleeping over like, oh, your dad's going to work. And my son goes, my dad doesn't work. He plays with kids all day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, that's a that's a nifty thing to do, just to play and not having to go to work. So it's that invitation of how we demonstrate or model for others about our life work. We can make it a task, which sometimes we're going to work, as we all know, is very tedious and hard. But for our children to see the love that we have in what we're doing, that's priceless. That's priceless. That is true. So there are many ways, uh, especially coffee. Many ways. <laughs> many <laughs> ways. So that brought a lot of love to me, that knowing that what I'm doing, that what my kids see is my life work is just about love. Mm, which becomes very light and playful. The light and playfulness. I kind of put those words together. Yeah. I love everything about you, what you do, how you do it, how you express uh, this wisdom of the heart. It's just incredibly warming and open. It's really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for being you and being open to life, Anthony. Well, thank you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, I I guess just Google me. People say (laughs) if you Google me, I'm everywhere, but I, I, I don't know how true that is, but you can definitely check on LinkedIn, uh, the Quality Life Institute, Send me an email, give me a call. I try to respond to all my emails and I never pick up the phone. So if you <laughs> call me, uh, please leave me a message, but I'll definitely call you back. Wonderful. And I do have some of the information here and that will be on your podcast profile too. Okay. Thank you Thank so you. much again, Dr. Tony, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more or inquire about teaching materials, a consultation or speaking engagement, please email Dr. Anthony M. McCravitz at connect at institute-gt.org or connect through website qualityoflifeinstitute.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.